This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Well, hello, Austin Life Church. Uh, remember back when I think it was John Chris, Krasinski? I don't know if I say his name right. Jim. Everybody knows him as Jim from The Office, right? Remember when he had those uh, trending Some Good News episodes? Man, that feels like a long time, right? Like a long time ago uh, where those were popping everywhere. Uh, so I don't think he's making those anymore. Uh, John, I, I know you'll probably watch this. So when you see this, Hey man, put some more out for us, please. Uh, but I've got some good news for you. Is that next Sunday at 10:30 a.m. we will be worshiping in the person, 5925 Dillard Circle, um, in person next Sunday at 10:30 a.m. If you show up at 10 a.m., well, you're just going to be early, so that's fine, no big deal, right? But we'll start at 10:30. Man, bring someone with you. Bring your mask, wear your mask, please. We're still going to be wearing masks inside and doing whatever we can to uh, make sure that we're still moving in the right direction as, as a church, as a community, as a city, as a country. Um, and so, but next Sunday in person, that is good news. Uh, I have missed seeing your lovely half faces. Um, and yeah, so join us, bring someone with you. Um, we're excited. I'm excited to be back in person. This year is it's gonna be it, it's gonna be a big year in the life of our church, um, and so I'm real I'm excited uh, just to get back in in person with you all. In Acts one, uh, if you're if you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, Acts is the the tells the story of how the church began after Jesus ascended to heaven. It kind of starts like okay. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John talks about the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And then you get to Acts and it starts talking about what now? How, how, did, how did men and women follow Jesus after he ascended to, to heaven? Um, and so Acts, you see the church begin to form. And in Acts chapter 1, you see the first gathering of a Christian church. It wasn't the first church ever, but the first gathering of of the men and women and families that united together under the common name of Jesus. So these were people who said, we have surrendered our faith and our lives to Jesus. We trust him, we love him, we're following him. And so you have the first church in Acts chapter 1. It says in verse 15 that Peter stood up to speak and there were about 120 total. So the first church, the first Christian church starts with about 120 people. But then, within one generation, by about 8150, the church was around 40,000 people. That is 400 times growth within one generation, within the potential of one lifetime. A baby is born, and before that baby dies, it has grown 400 times. And then, by 8200, only 50 years after that, the church was estimated to be around 215,000. And then by 250 AD, two generations after this first gathering of 120, the church was estimated to be around 1.17 million people. That is astronomical growth. Tesla ain't even keeping up with that level of growth. Come on now. So 
The church is just skyrocketing within two generations from 120 people to 1.17 million. How in the world did it grow like that? How? Because the printing press uh, didn't come around until 1200, till the year 1200. Um, th there certainly isn't texting and phone calls and emails, right? Like the instant communication, you know, spreading a message and the potential for growth is so much faster now than it was then. How did it grow so much and so quickly? David Platt has a quote uh, in, in, in a book that, that we're going to do a class with. Um, he said, the spread of the gospel took place primarily because ordinary people empowered by an extraordinary presence were proclaiming the gospel everywhere they went. Ordinary people empowered by an extraordinary presence, the Spirit of God, were proclaiming the gospel everywhere they went. Do you know who was primarily responsible for the church moving from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth? Yeah, not me either. I mean, there's a couple names we see in Acts, but by and large, no. It doesn't, it doesn't name them. Do, do you know who is responsible for starting the church in Antioch? One of, if not the most influential and famous church planting churches to the Gentile world. Do you know, do you know who started that church? Nope, me either. Because Acts eleven twenty, 20, it just says, But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. There were some of them unnamed, everyday, common folk who moved to Antioch, packed their bags, found a home, found a job, and in that new city, they took the name of Jesus with them. They didn't leave the name of Jesus. They didn't leave their faith back home. They didn't, they didn't leave it, you know, in a safe, sac sacred context. They took the gospel with them to everyone around them. They spoke of Jesus. And as people trusted Jesus, a church formed. Church planting in Acts went like this. You move to a new town, you share the name of Jesus, people trust Christ, and then a church forms. Churches now, the church moves to a new city and then tries to proclaim the name of Jesus. And it's, it's like flipped. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but I am saying that somewhere, because we're starting with the organized church, it's almost like in our minds we think, oh, that's it, we're done. And we're no longer proclaiming the name of Jesus. We're no longer sharing the gospel. And, and, and with that, in America, we see a rapid decline of the church. We see less and less people proclaiming the name of Jesus, trusting Christ. Because the, the key difference in Acts, everyday common people went out during the day and they shared the name of Jesus with them. They talked about Jesus in the normal routines of lives. For us, we've, we've flipped that and we're expecting people to come to us where hopefully the pastor will preach about Jesus. And so just the sheer opportunity and number of times where the gospel is being shared is dramatically less today than it was then. And that is why the spread of Jesus is declining rather than increasing. But I really believe that if we follow in these footsteps, and that, that if we, empowered by the Spirit of God, proclaim the name of Jesus everywhere we go, whenever we're talking, we too will start to see growth around us. 
like we see in Acts. Yeah, maybe not be the same, I don't know, but I, I do believe that we'll start to see a change in the, the trajectory, the expansion of the kingdom. Come on, pause for a second. Do, whether, whether you're walking close with God or not right now, whether, whether man, you, you've shared your faith in a long time recently or not, what, can, you, can you not agree that, that you want your life to matter, that in the end, in heaven, you, you're going to want to know that you made eternal impact, eternal significance, right? That, that you didn't just squander the little bitty, bitty short time we have here, but we invested it in eternal weight, wouldn't you want your life, our church, to be a story of some of them unnamed everyday people who took Jesus with us into our everyday parts of life and shared the gospel with those around us that God has entrusted to us and that we start to see His church grow and we start to see new churches started with the same heartbeat of taking the gospel, the message of Jesus into the world around us so that God can change lives. And doesn't that sound inspiring? Don't you, don't you deep down want that to be your story? And, and it can be. It, it really can be. But it starts with you and me being faithful to the command of Jesus to, to go and make disciples. Just as we're going, make disciples, speak of Christ. This is the third part of our mission statement. As a church, we exist to love God. That is the first and foremost commandment. If we're not loving God, we're loving ourselves, really. That's what it comes down to. And so we exist to, to focus our mind and our heart and our thoughts and our words and actions towards God. Y'all, I, I, gosh, I cannot, even as I think of my own life, right? Like I know this commandment, maybe it's just become so commonplace that I don't think about it, right? Everything I do should be an act of love, should be honoring, glorifying to God. Every word I say should honor God. Every thought I have should honor God. Every, every action I have in my life should honor God. That is the first and greatest commandment and purpose for us as a church. The second, Jesus says, is, is like it, and it is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That we are to love ourselves and take care of ourselves so that we can give the best version of ourselves to our neighbors and love them and do good for them. That imitates God who loves us. That, that loves God as we love the people He loves. And so we're called to love our neighbors. And then the third part of our mission is to lead people to the fullness of life that is found in Jesus. It's to lead people to the fullness of life that is found in Jesus. So let's take that phrase and just ask, what does that actually mean to lead people to the fullness of life that is found in Jesus? If Austin Life is your church home, then this mission statement is your personal mission statement. We exist to love God. I exist to love God. We exist to love others. I exist to love others. We exist to lead people to the fullness of life found in Jesus. I exist to lead people to the fullness of life found in Jesus. So what does that mean for you to live that out? We've maintained, and gosh, if you've been here for any length of time and this doesn't go, yep, heard this. We've maintained that everybody is looking for the fullness of life. Every single person, you right now, if you're listening to this, you want to make the most out of life. And so does every human being you've ever met and every human being who's ever lived, we are created that way. 
We long for fullness. We want to have the fullness of life. The problem is that so often we seek after that in the wrong places. We, we try to fill our lives with things that will never satisfy. We try to pour ourselves into something that will only end up empty. Relationships, security, comfort, affection, power, right? Like we're chasing after these things that God's like, hey, 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 it's just going to leave you empty. But the Bible tells us that in His presence is the fullness of joy. This fullness of life is not some empty desire, some impossible thing to ever know. It's there for us to have. Stop for a second. The fullness of life today is there for us to have. Otherwise, Jesus is a liar. And I don't think any of us want to be like, hey, Jesus, you're a liar, man. No, either Jesus is a liar or abundant life, the fullness of life, the fullness of joy. It is there for us to have today. And then get this, get this, get this. Because God is infinitely great, tomorrow it's, it's there for us to have again in greater capacity. For all of eternity, every day, we can increase in the fullness of life. Because we'll never hit the ceiling of knowing how great God is. You know, that's, it's there for us to have. And in Luke 9, Jesus says the way we find this life, the way we, we get on this path of the fullness of life, is when we die to ourselves and instead live to Him. We find life, eternal life, full life, significant life, when we lose our earthly life, our selfish life, the way we want to go and instead follow Jesus. When we trust Him and believe His words that He is God, that He lived and died and rose in order to forgive our sins and give us life, when we trust that and we choose to follow Him, that is when we step onto this path of the fullness of life. And so the reality is, man, I, I, meant, to, I meant to bring a dry erase board and I, and I totally forgot. Um, so I'll try to just visualize it for me. So the reality is that's where we're all going. Let's use this thermometer. Let's call it the, the fullness of life, right? So I, I hope this is in the screen. Mike, this is, this is real time. Um, you left me on my own here. Um, we're giving it a go. We're all trying to get here, right? And so over here, you've got this journey to, to get to the fullness of, of life. And every person is somewhere on this journey. Now let's make this green pencil because green signifies life. Let's call this the point when someone trusts Jesus. And so every person we know is somewhere on this journey. Some are far. They're, they're, they're far from knowing God. They're far from trusting Christ. Uh, some are, are, are looking or open or seeking truth. Some are on the verge of trusting Christ. And then this moment comes when we trust Jesus. Now, that could have come a long time ago. You may not clearly remember that moment. But Ephesians 2 says spiritually, there is a moment when our spirit trusts Christ and He makes us alive. We become a new creation. And then this journey begins in Christ of knowing God more. And it never ends. It's always progressing if we're following after Him. I, I hope that this visual worked. But what it means then to lead people to the fullness of life in Jesus is to get to know the people that God has entrusted in our lives and to walk with them wherever they are on this journey 
to take the next step towards God. If they're far from God, it's, it's having a conversation with them. Right? It's just having a conversation. If they're seeking who, what truth is, it's communicating, hey, here's what truth is according to the Bible. If they're close, man, it's, it's inviting them, hey, surrender, trust Jesus. By faith, trust Him. Maybe they've trusted Christ and we're just helping one another know God more. And so to lead people to the fullness of life that's found in Jesus is for you and me to take responsibility of the people that God has put in our lives and to actively seek to know them and help them take the next step towards the fullness of life in God. Whatever that next step is, sharing the gospel or helping them apply it to their life in a deeper way, right? Like, that's our responsibility. That is how the first church began and grew and expanded, and that is how we will see this church and the kingdom of God around us expand, is when you and I take this command seriously. And yes, I did say command, right? This is a command of Jesus. In Matthew 28... Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. That word go is actually, it's a participle. You could translate it as saying, as you are going, therefore. Jesus assumes that we're going to keep walking in life, that we're going to keep going throughout our days. And he says, as you are going, therefore, make disciples. That is the imperative. That is the command verb right there at the beginning of verse 19. As you are going, Corey, make disciples of all people. That means to to know them and to teach them who Jesus is and invite them to trust and follow him. That's what it means to make a disciple, to invite someone to trust and then to follow after Jesus. Make disciples of all people, and then I am to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then I am to teach them to observe. I am to walk with them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. That is my command as a Christian. That is your command as a Christian. And I have a feeling Jesus expects us to follow and obey His commands. I've, I've told this illustration before, but I just think it is so perfect. Um, so I'm going to say it again. Uh, and so if you've heard it before, just imagine that you haven't. And let's, let's listen again with, with just a fresh understanding. Uh, if, you, if you have kids, you'll, you'll easily relate. If you don't, you've been a kid at some point, and so you can still relate. And maybe one day you'll be a parent and you can relate. It, it, we all know how to put ourselves in this story, right? Imagine that I am sitting down at dinner with my kids, and I'm like, hey, kids, you know, grandparents are coming over in a couple days. We need you to clean up your rooms, okay? After dinner, go upstairs and clean your rooms. That's the command, clean your rooms, right? And so let's imagine that they go off, they do their thing, um, a day passes, right? And then, and then it's coming up on the weekend and, and the grandparents are coming. So I'm like, hey, did y'all clean your rooms? And the kids come downstairs and they're just jacked. They're pumped. They're so excited. They're like, dad, 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 get this, right? You told us to go clean our rooms and we loved that suggestion. We loved that command, actually. So we went upstairs and here's what we did, dad. First, 
we wrote it down in this pretty little artsy way on a card and we stuck it on our wall so that we could memorize your command. Clean your room. And dad, we memorized it. You want me to tell, I could tell you in Greek. I could tell you in the original languages, right? I could clean your room. That's what you told us to do. And we loved it so much that we, our siblings, we all got together and we sat down together and, and we, we studied it together and we talked about it and we were like, man, what does this mean? What, what do you think God means? I think God's saying, saying this. I think, I think he's saying clean your room, right? That we're supposed to clean our, our room, that we're supposed to act actively get in our rooms and clean it up. I think that's what dad is saying. Dad, so we, we talked about it together in our small group and we, um, we even prayed about it. And we encouraged each other the next day. We were like, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. We were so pumped about it. Dad, Dad, I wrote a song about it. And then we got some more friends together and we sang songs about your command, clean your room. I mean, it was a, it was a great time where we were just passionate about that song that we wrote. And man, we just loved it, loved it. And we loved reading it over and over again. And we, um, yeah, it was a good command. And so then I ask them, hey, but did you clean your room? And they're like, well, you see, no, but, but it's because, you know, we studied it and we prayed about it. And then, you know, then I got busy. And do you, do you think that as their dad commanding them to clean their room, that's great that you wrote it out and memorized it. That's great that you talked about it as your siblings. That's great that you wrote a song about it. That's cute. Cute. Good job. But what did I want? I didn't ask them to write songs. I didn't ask them to sing about it. I didn't ask them to talk about it. I didn't ask them to memorize it. I didn't ask them to study it in some original language. I wanted them to take the words that I said and go clean their room. Do do you not think that when Jesus gives us a command, the people who have said, Jesus, I'm yours and I'm following you. I surrender my life to you. Do you not think that Jesus expects us to obey his commands? Y'all, if you're a Christian... I'm sorry that you're listening to this because you have no excuse at this point. Neither do I. The command of Jesus is to go and make disciples. In Acts 1, he says, you will be my witnesses. In 2 Corinthians 5, he says that we have been entrusted as his ambassadors. He goes to heaven, sends us his spirit, and now we are his spokesmen. We are his voices, his representatives of the message of reconciliation. And in 2 Corinthians 5, it says that God is making his appeal through us for people to be reconciled to God. God, We cannot act. We We can't claim ignorance. All we can claim is disobedience. That is it. We are commanded by Jesus to go and make disciples, to lead people to the fullness of life that is found in Jesus. The question now is, will you and I actually be obedient to what he has called us to do. Not just talk about it, not just strategize about it, not just have good intentions about it, but actually do what he tells us to do. I mean, I'll be the first to say I'm like, it's hard for me. I, I am quick to figure out reasons why I can't or shouldn't or should do something else or next time or whatever. Man, I'm just, I'm just being disobedient to him. That's it. That's it. It's not okay. It's not okay. And I think it's good to remember where we were, that, that, that we were on the outside looking in, that, that we were far from God. None of us were born Christians. 
No, we're, we're born into a sinful world. We too had to have the message of Jesus proclaimed to us. And it could have been a very normal, natural way. You could have grown up with parents who were talking about it your whole life. I can't remember a day where I don't, I didn't believe in God or believe in Jesus. Praise God that I had family, family who told me about him, took me to church, right? But there were people who proclaimed the name of Jesus to me. And if we back up even further, it's God who first came to me in the first place. It's God who moved near to us in the first place. We were the sinners. We were the ones that walked away. And God moves near to us and says, Hey, 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 I have a message of life for you. Jesus says in Mark chapter 1, Repent and believe the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus comes and proclaims the gospel, shares the gospel with us. Hey, turn from your own ways and trust me. Believe and have life. So Jesus does that for us. And then he instructs us to be like him and to do that with others, to be ambassadors of Jesus to others. That it's really, this is why this is part of our mission statement, because it's the command of Jesus to increase his kingdom to the world around us. And if we're a Christian, we don't get an option. And if you're not a Christian, Man, that invitation is being given to you today. You happen to be listening to a message and hear me say this. God desires for you to be reconciled with Him. For your life to be restored into relationship with Him. And He desires that so much that He sent Jesus to fix what you broke. You walked away from Him. You were the sinner, not Him. But yet Jesus came in love to stand in the middle and reconcile us to God. He, he died on the cross for our sins. That the obstacle that separates us from God could be removed and nailed to the cross. And then He rose from the dead so that He could give us new life with Him. That's our, that's our invitation. That's your invitation to receive. And if you're a Christian, that's your command and invitation to go share with others. So how are we going to do that here at Austin Life Church? What are the practices, what are the, the intentional practices that we are asking every member and, and every person to be a part of? If you're going to be a part of Austin Life Church, what are we saying we are going to do in order to help lead people to the fullness of life found in Jesus? The first thing that we are committing to as a church, and I hesitate to say that, as the people of this church... So this is a very personal, it's not like, oh, this organization is doing it, it's me and you, right? The first thing we are committing to doing is maintaining an open seat hospitality. That with our lives, we're going to be a people that welcome one another into our lives the same way that Jesus welcomed us in. That, that we are going to be hospitable and open to people being a part of our lives the same way that Jesus was for us. He welcomed us with open arms. He, he invited us into his relationship, in, into his family. And then he says in Romans, hey, the same way that I welcomed you, go and welcome one another. Go and invite people in and welcome them in. And so are you proactively welcoming people into your life? Or have you closed off your circle to only um, the people you're comfortable with in a select few? We are 
invited and instructed to welcome people in? Do you invite people over? Do you, do you reach out to newcomers? Here, when we gather on February 14th in person for worship and, and every Sunday after um, in community group, are you intentional to go and to meet new people? If there's someone you don't know, then our obedience is to welcome that person into our lives. Are you being obedient? Are you being hospitable? Do you have an open seat at the table for all? And so we want to ask all members to intentionally pursue the outsider and to actively welcome them in to be insiders in our lives. Meet someone new. Every single Sunday, if you are a member at Austin Life, I'm asking you to meet someone new. And unless you know every person at the church, that means there's always going to be someone that you can meet. Go and meet someone new. Get to know them. Ask questions about them. Listen. Go out to lunch. Meet someone new. We're asking all members to share one meal a month with someone who is new, who's an, who's an outsider, who's not a part of your life, your circle, your church, who, who doesn't know Jesus. Be intentional to go and sit down and share a meal, share coffee, share a drink with somebody. Right? Be hospitable. Welcome people into your lives. At community group, make community group about others, not about you. Go to community groups so that you can welcome people into your life. And trust that they're going to welcome you into theirs. But let's be a people in a church of hospitality. So that's the first thing that we're committing to as a church. And that's, that's mostly a posture of our hearts. But yes, there are practices, sharing meals with people, invite, you know, going and meeting new people that we can do. The second thing that we're committing to as a church, as the people of the church, is, is reaching Austin with the gospel that we are committing to regularly share the gospel of Jesus with those that God has put in our lives. To regularly take steps of, of conversation, of communication of the hope that Jesus has. We believe that if you are a Christian, if you are saved, you're sent. You're, you're, it's just so clear. And so we're saying as a member, we are committing to share the gospel with those that God has put in our lives. And so are you sharing the hope of Jesus with others? Look, it's okay to be brutally honest right now. Don't justify your answers. Don't, don't just yes or no. Are you sharing the gospel with the people around you that God has put in your life? If yes, rock on, keep going. Don't stop. People say it takes seven times for someone to hear the gospel before it starts to sink in. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I've heard. Are you sharing the gospel? If you're not, okay, confess that to God. Repent of it, and let's get started. God doesn't want you to sit in shame or guilt. Let's just get started. Let's do that. And so we want to ask all members to be intentional. Do you have at least one person that you are intentionally praying for, that your, your eyes are set towards and you're thinking about, okay, how can I help lead them to the fullness of life in Jesus? How can I love them well enough to help point them towards Jesus? Do you have at least one person that you can name that is just fresh on your heart? And maybe it's more than that, but let's just start with one. We're starting a six-week uh, disciple-making cohort um, basically, we're just putting people in small groups to help teach us how to make disciples in everyday life, to help equip us and give us practical steps for what we can do. So 
This is going to happen on Sundays from 9 to 10 a.m. starting March 28th through May 2nd. Yeah, that's, that's a few weeks in advance. We get that. You can go ahead and go online and RSVP. I'm hoping that will be full of people. Whether you are doing a great job at it or not, we all have room to grow and help one another become disciple makers. I hope that you will RSVP for that. March 28th through May 2nd, disciple making cohorts. The third thing we're committing to uh, in order to help lead people to the fullness of life in Jesus is pursuing justice and care. Jesus is passionate about justice, about caring for those um, in, in, in the world around him. And he instructs us to do likewise. And so a couple of ways that we are partnering in this city to pursue that. Uh, the first one is fostering hope. Fostering hope uh, is our most recent partnership. And, and for us, we want to step in the gap and help love children in need. Ch- children who can't fend for themselves and fight for themselves, who, who need help, who need someone to step in and, and be there for them and love them. Fostering Hope is a nonprofit here in Austin that we've recently partnered with, and they seek to build stronger foster and adoptive families through training, mentoring, and church ministry development. Basically, they want to help love kids within the foster and adoptive adoption process, and we want to help them do that. We, we are committing to be one of their church partners to help love on these kids and these families so that the trajectory of these kids' lives can be changed, so that the cycle that maybe they've grown up in can be changed. And so here's what you can do with that. Um, On February 21st from 9 to 10 a.m. at the building, we're having an informational meeting on how to be a part and help with fostering hope. So this is new for all of us, and so this will just be a time when we come and learn and explore different ways that that you can be a part of partnering, of serving with Fostering Hope. I know two specific ways, and we'll obviously share more about these on the 21st. One is to be a part of the advocacy team. That's a higher level of commitment. That's like the, the liaison from Fostering Hope to Austin Life Church. In between is this advocacy team of, of Austin Lifers that helps connect um, Fostering Hope and Austin Life Church. So. That will be one way. Another way is that we are going to commit to being babysitters, um, to have as many of our people to get trained and licensed to babysit for foster families. Did you know that if you are a foster parent, that the only people who can come and spend, like babysit your foster kids are people who have been licensed by the state? That means there is a very small number of people who can come and hang with your kids. That means foster parents have very little time away to just breathe. The, the majority of foster parents don't make it out of year one because they just lack the support. And so we're like, hey, we got, we got a young congregation. We got some time. We can babysit. We'll get trained and we will babysit for foster parents so that we can love on these kids and so that those parents can go catch their breath and we can love on them. And so that's another specific way that we will help. But the next step is February 21st, informational meeting. You can also email Stephen McCaslin if you want to ask more questions right away. But February 21st, go on our website under events and RSVP for that meeting. 9 to 10 a.m. You're going to be coming to church anyways. Come to that. 
Another way that we help with justice and care is the Angel House. Uh, we've been working with them for a while. Uh, and the Angel House is a soup kitchen downtown um, that seeks to serve the love of Jesus with each meal and set of clothes they've given out. Um, so right now, because of COVID, they're what they can do is, is limited, but they are still serving meals 363 days out of the year, and it is all volunteer-led. And so we as a church are committing to staffing those volunteer needs every second Friday of the month. Like we told them, we will be there, our people will be there, and we will take care of these volunteer needs for you every second Friday of the month. And so if you want to help serve at Angel House, get to know um, the community uh, down, downtown, get to know the, the people that come and go, you can email Stephen McCaslin again. He will get you on the, the list of, of really the team and help continue to send out information for you. Um, and so that's probably the best way, yeah, is to email Stephen. And he, he will follow up with you um, on more for that. So, but, but we are the second Friday we're committing to. Um, and then one of the things, COVID obviously makes things a little challenging, but one of the things I just encourage you is to go eat, right? Like the Angel House, they say that they, they don't feed the hungry, or the homeless, they feed the hungry. And so anyone who's hungry can come eat. And so one of the best things you can do is just go eat. And we're not just trying to show up and serve people and then bounce out. We want to be, want to have real relationships with people that matter of value. Go eat. Just go get to know people that way. So Angel House is, is another way. Um, and then fourthly, I don't know if fourthly is a word. I don't think it is, but it is today. Fourthly, how are we helping lead people to the fullness of life found in Jesus through church planting and sending? We 100% believe the best way to reach all people in all places with the hope of Jesus is through church planting. Uh, and so we want to be a church that plants churches. We are praying and dreaming that every year we will send out a new church plant team to go and to share the gospel in new cities and plant new churches. And so um, if you are interested in planting a church one day, uh, there is a form you can go now and fill out. And we want to start walking with you in that and talking with you about that. Um, and so we want to help equip and develop future church planters. Another thing, though, is we want to send you well. If if you're moving, you're thinking about moving, um, we want to walk with you through that process and through that transition. And we want, to, um, we, we want to help you get fully established in a new church and a new home. Uh, that, that transition of moving can be tough. And so we want to send you out well. Um, it, but we have to know who's, who's leaving in order to do that. And so there's also a form that you can fill out that just says, hey, I'm, I'm moving for whatever reason. Um, and we would love to walk with you in that process. And so as a church, we want to send people well, either in church planting or if you just happen to be moving. Um, there's two different routes, two different forms that if you're interested, we could, you could fill out and we could talk more. Um, but we want to send people well. Okay, I know there's a lot of information. It's all on the website. You can see all of this on the website. Um, and we would love for, for you to check that out. There's classes to RSVP for, uh, the disciple-making cohorts, the Fostering Hope informational. Um, you can fill out the forms for church planning or sending. Um, but we are committed and passionate about leading people to the fullness of life that is found in Jesus. And that happens with me and you. At an individual level, when the people of Austin life obey this command, 
then we as a church will be obeying this command. But it's not, it's not, don't think this is for someone else or this is for the church as a whole. This is for you. This is my command from Jesus to make disciples, to lead people, to serve. In all of these outlets, we are seeking to lead more people to the fullness of life that is found in Jesus. And if this is your church home, we're trusting that you're committing to be a part of that with us as well. For God's glory and for your good. Let me pray. God, thanks for the day um, and for speaking to us. Gently convict us and compel us to live in obedience to you. As, as Charlie prepares to lead us um, again in song, I want to invite you to take a second and would you just listen for the voice of God? What is he perhaps telling you to do right now? Is he speaking to you about being hospitable to others, welcoming people in? Is he speaking to you about sharing the gospel and reaching Austin with the hope in Jesus? Is he speaking to you about pursuing justice and care? Or about church planting or going? However he's speaking, we invite you to trust him. His ways are good. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.